This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell, and joining me today by phone is the Toledo Symphony's music director, Elaine Trudell. And right here in the studio, I have the TSO's principal second violin and artistic administrator, Merwin Sue. Welcome, gentlemen. Good to be here. I have a a fanfare that I created for us to get started. This fanfare thing seems to be a normal thing. So I have a fanfare for you guys. Are you ready? Can't wait. Okay, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> what do you think of that? Well, I think it pays tribute to Alain and my shared Irish heritage. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Wonderful. We we didn't do a St. Patrick's Day uh, special this year because it did, just didn't work out, you know, with the timing. So that's our little nod to St. Patrick's Day <laughs> and to your shared <laughs> heritage, right? Do they celebrate St. Patrick's Day in, in uh, Canada, Alain? Well, we do. I, I mean, I have absolutely no... Irish blood in my lineage whatsoever, but uh, yes, we do. I used to um, to walk the, to do the parade every year when I used to play in the brass band. So uh, lots of lots of things happening and things thrown at us. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are here today to talk about the uh, upcoming concert from the Toledo Symphony. It's happening on Sunday at the Toledo Museum of Art Peristyle at seven o'clock p.m. This is Igor Stravinsky's A Soldier's Tale, which is kind of a rarely heard work, but a really wonderful and interesting piece of drama. I should mention that uh, you can read more about this and learn how to get your tickets for the concert if you want to go. That is at ToledoSymphony.com, or the box office phone number is 419-246-8000. So let's talk about Stravinsky and The Soldier's Tale. Uh, You want to tell us a little bit? of what this piece is, what it's about, and this production that you guys are doing? Uh, well, uh, Soldier's Tale is... Uh, what I find very interesting is that it was exactly... Well, exactly two, two let's say, uh, five years difference a uh, hundred years ago. And uh, I, it's it's a tale that is could have can happen anytime in the past and the present and the future. It's a you know the soul, the the story of Faust, really the story of good, evil, uh, greed. Uh, it sounds like something you turn on your TV and you can watch, you know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> with but with mix with mixed uh, metric times. But um, <laughs> this is a piece I personally love. I've done many many times in the past time, and I really wanted to do a special presentation of it uh, for a concert. And I uh, want to involve the community in this. So it's, a, it's kind of a long-term project. This is the first leg of uh, a project, a long-term project that I have, including the the Soldat, but also a rewriting of it that will come in the future also. So the, it's the beginning of something for us, but it's also uh, quite a, a standard piece now that, uh, although it's not played as much as other pieces, it's a piece that uh, is very important in the history. And it's really interesting music. We should mention this is for uh, seven players, right, as well as actors. Yep. What's really interesting is that if you're thinking uh, Stravinsky is in, uh, you know, is in Switzerland, it's, uh, the, 
He's in the, the, the First World War. As I say, we're talking, it was premiered in 1918. So basically, it was what was left <laughs> out there, what musicians were available, what that. So there was nothing really being able to be organized. Yeah. You know, the country, there was, there was war everywhere in Europe. And uh, he, he basically, he wrote this as kind of a, it feels like a South Bank, a little bit, a little touring group. Uh, and uh, there's only seven instruments, as you said. So basically, it represents a little bit of all the sections. So there is the, the violin, which actually represents the, the soldier and the soul of the soldier. There's a, a bass, so violin and a bass. Then a clarinet and a bassoon, then a trumpet and a trombone, and all of this is linked together by a big percussion set, of, uh, with, which uh, it's very pictorial. The music and that is very attractive. At the same time, it's one of those pieces that you listen to it and it's, it's you say, "Oh, this is great," and you, and and it's one one of the hardest things to play. So it's really challenging. At the same time, you, especially if you bring yourself back to that time, there was a pandemic. And then there was a war. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then there were in the 20s. <laughs> well, I was about to say that it, it puts this piece in a slightly different light when you put it in context of the First World War around when it was written. Yeah. But you're making a very valid point that, hey, this piece is almost a, in a cyclic way kind of returning to those themes that are so relevant and so important today. Um, and yeah. this happens a lot in classical music, don't you think? True, but you, in history, you know, it's like uh, you think 1812 to 1820, 1914, 15 to 1920, something, 2000, let's say, uh, let's pick an, a year 16 uh, until now. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, of things that happen during every hundred of years, yeah. and it's very bizarre. And this piece is actually... It's like a, almost like a time machine, but at the same time, they're all things that are very actual because the story behind it is the story of a, is a soldier at three days, three days off, uh, permission. He goes, he says, I'm going to go see my family. And then he meets this, uh, this bizarre person who tells him, hey, listen, I, I, I want to make this deal with you. Uh, if you, and you, you'll recognize it's a little bit like this, very Faustian story. Says, well, I have this book and I'd like to trade it for your violin. The soldier plays the, he has his violin in his duffel bag. And, uh, and the, the, the violin, of course, represents the soul of the soldier. And you, we've all guessed already that the stranger who comes represents the devil or everything that is bad. I mean, a devil can be like uh, almost caricatural, but it's not that. It's things that are bad for us in life. And, uh, and finally the guy said, well, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I like my violin. What's in your book? I can't even read. And he said, well, no, I'll, I'll teach you. He said, I only have three days. No problem. I'll take you. I have a fast ride. We'll get there. I'll feed you the best food, and uh, and you'll feel, like, super comfortable. You can imagine soldiers sleeping on a bunk bed for all that time. He has a little bit of time. And they said that you'll be rich for the rest of your life. You don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> and he's thinking, oh, well, maybe I'll do it. You know? So he goes, and finally... After three days, he, wind, he, he winds up understanding he didn't stay there for three days, stayed there for three years. He was completely cheated by the devil. And uh, now, he, now he understands who that, that stranger was. But the book actually tells him everything about the future. So, you know, it's like if you come 
and you have a, bu- a book that tells you the future, like on Wall Street, or a book that tells you the, the future in Vegas and the betting, uh, you know, you can say, oh, my God, in 50 years, Tom Brady's going to win the Super Bowl. You know, <laughs> well, he probably will, but you know what I mean. But <laughs> it's, uh, Now that he's so, not retired uh, anymore, yeah. Well, no, <laughs> was he ever? But yeah. <laughs> I think he went home, and the, the family said, "Oh, we can't stand it. Just go back to work." <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just, I just want to be useful. I'll stop it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um, this finally goes back to his village. He sees that. He sees that uh, nobody recognizes him, you know. And that's when he finds out. It's been three years. So yes. Now he has means, but he lost his life. You know, he lost his girlfriend because after three years, everybody thinks he's dead in the war. His mother he has a, an attack when she sees him like, well, and he lost all his friends and his friends. And uh, sorry, I'm a conductor. I put friend as singular. But mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, he uh, after that, he says, well, you know, how am I going to? So the whole thing, how he gonna, he's going to win back his soul, how he's going to get the violent back. What is he going to do? The healing, uh, how can I say, the healing power of music, the healing power of the violin. At some point, there's a princess that's sick, that's sick. He gets his violin back, and then he's able to heal the princess. There's a healing process in that. And uh, he heals her, he heals himself. Finally, they're together. Finally, he finds happiness again. But as, you know, when there's, uh, when there's human, there's human things. So... He says, well, I have the girl, I have the violin, but I sure had everything with the other thing, too. Maybe I could have both. Maybe I could have everything. Mm. As Faust, he turns around, and if she gets greedy, tries to get everything, that's when the devil picks everybody up and wins the game at the end. So that's the story. Of it. <laughs> Yay! Very nice. Yeah, you, you've just done your rehearsal for the pre-concert talk. It sounds like. <laughs> no, it's okay. I've done it many, many times. I, I'm just, I'm very passionate about that whole thing because there's a little bit of the side of we're gonna make do with what means we have. Like we have like seven instruments. We have okay. We're gonna put a show together. Like when I was young, that's one of the first pieces I've done because you know you don't have so many colleagues that you uh, you can put to you know you can ask to make a show come together. I, I also staged it many times, on, which I, I'm not staging this time, but uh, I I also worked on it a lot, and it, it followed me all my life, and it's a piece I, I... It means it's more than just music. It's one of those rare pieces of music that is so much more than just music. But the, the music by itself is as strong as anything in the repertoire, but it's so much more than that. So that's very impressive. Yeah, it's really interesting to listen to, and it has been, of course, performed and recorded just the music side of it, but there's also, as you yeah. say, the dramatic uh, side to it. I think it's fascinating that you guys are performing this on the same stage where Stravinsky himself performed at the Paris style. And uh, Merwin, maybe you can talk about this project that you did uh, with Michael Boyd, I believe, where you guys brought this, you sort of recreated this uh, Stravinsky concert. It was pretty amazing. Uh, the um, programming director at the Toledo Museum of Art, um, Scott Boberg at the time, he he found these records that said that Igor Stravinsky had appeared as a composer-pianist, um, I think in 1935, almost right after the opening of the Paris style. And it's just, I think one thing that um, Alain has mentioned about Stravinsky is kind of, there's just an incredible practicality 
about um, the composer. I don't think a lot of composers are necessarily the most practical people, but Stravinsky was always um, extraordinarily practical and extremely adaptive. And he would be able to adapt his compositions and his uh, his all his music to whatever was available. And during the Great Depression, very little was available. So he created all of these um, ballet suites for himself and a violinist friend of his, Samuel Dushkin. And he toured the United States at a time when you could not perform Firebird because there, there was no um, there was simply no way to marshal up the forces that were necessary. Yeah. He was able to do these divertimenti and these capriccios that were based on his ballet scores, but were only for a violin and a piano. And so um, they were they're they're very challenging pieces. And um, Stravinsky was somebody I had not spent as much time with as a violinist, and so it was a real odyssey for me to kind of explore all of these great pieces and to perform them with Michael. It's still a highlight for me. And um, to play on the Peristyle stage with a piano that we are pretty sure was the same piano that wow. Stravinsky used as well. So I, mean, I think there is, there's some mathematical odds where there's like, it's a two out of three chance that this is actually the piano <laughs> that um, Stravinsky played in. So we'll call, we'll, we'll, we'll say, say that's good it, enough. Yeah. <laughs> just say, just say it. We don't need, you know, too yeah. much information. <laughs> but it, it was, it, it's amazing. And I think that, um, you know, getting the chance to do a recital, all of a single composer's music and to be able to kind of, you know, trace all of these different elements and to, to recreate something that Stravinsky did himself was very meaningful for me. Yeah, that's wonderful. Such a, uh, an interesting little tidbit, you know, connecting to Toledo to one of the great uh, composers of the mm -hmm. 20th century. And for anybody who was not, uh, you know, knowing that that existed, now you know, mm -hmm. you know, the rest of the story as yeah. it is. Um, I do have a little quiz that I made up here for you guys, and this is a showdown of sorts because oh, wow. Elaine always complains about um, Merwin winning a quiz even when you're not there. <laughs> and, oh, I'm not complaining. I'm impressed. I mean, I, yeah, okay. I well, I, I sit corrected then. You were impressed. <laughs> Often impressed with Merwin winning. I would be impressed too, especially with him not here winning the quiz. So I yeah. know that's incredible. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, you talk about Stravinsky's bigger works, and of course, a lot of people are familiar with the Rite of Spring. If they're not so much familiar with the music, they certainly know the story of when it premiered in Paris back in 1913. There was a riot in the streets, I mean, something that just couldn't happen today, at least in the United States, with classical music. So I don't view it as like, you know, a controversial event. I view it as like a, a cheerleading event for classical music. It's, I wish we would have that same kind of, you know, riots in the streets today over new music. But all of that aside, I'm talking about the Rite of Spring because I have a Rite of Igor quiz. This is a huh. quote quiz. It's um, not a quote quiz about the Rite of Spring, but a quote quiz from three different actors in the Rite of Spring. When I say actors, I mean people who facilitated the ballet. Okay. That would be Igor Stravinsky, uh, Vaslav Nijinsky, or Serge Diaghilev, right? So okay. you decide if it's Stravinsky, Nijinsky, or Diaghilev who said the following 
quotations, so right? So we've got the composer, the dancer, and the impresario. Yes, okay. indeed. Right. Uh, no violinists, sorry, Merwin. There's but, violin uh, in Rite of Spring, who knew? <laughs> but let, let's, <laughs> let me pull up some music, speaking of which. There we go. I was waiting for that part. Now, this is um, a knockoff of the Rite of Spring. (laughs) Say again, Elaine. It's a minor third too high. (laughs) (laughs) Only you would know that. He's just playing it faster. My ears went like, bing, bing, bing. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, that's it, definitely. All right, here we go. I'm going to say the quotes. I'm going to go through all the quotes first. And you have paper and pencil there, Elaine? Um, Yes, of course. Okay. So (laughs) I'll go through all the quotations. You write down who you think it was. Stravinsky, Nijinsky, or Diaghilev. And then we'll go back. Okay, first quote is this. People like eccentrics, therefore they will leave me alone saying that I am a mad clown. Second quotation, one lives by memory and not by truth. Number three, I am not crying, but have tears in my heart. Number four, the more art is controlled, limited, worked over, the more it is free. Silence will save me from being wrong and foolish, but it will also deprive me of the possibility of being right. That's really an interesting quote when you think about it. Next one is this. I seek truth in a book and not the subject. I haven't understood a bar of music in my life, but I have felt it. And the last one for this round. The trick is to compose what one wants to compose and to get it commissioned afterwards. (laughs) That's another piece of good advice, right? Elaine, you're a composer. You ever done that? You ever written a piece and then searched out a commission for it? You just have to stay very quiet about what you're writing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then you can use it for anything, basically. I guess so. I don't write enough. <laughs> All right, let's go back to the beginning and I'll give you the answers, okay? Uh, number one, people like eccentrics, therefore they will leave me alone saying that I am a mad clown. That was... Nijinsky. Anybody get Yay. that? Yay. Yep. You yep. both got it? Yeah. Wow. Okay, so far you guys are tied. <laughs> All right. Second one. One lives by... What's that? We can, can we stop, stop here. <laughs> you want to stop right here? No, no such luck. Still have a few to go. One lives by memory and not by truth. That was Stravinsky. Nice. Everybody True. gets that? I got Nope. Oh, Merwin is in the lead. Okay, I am not crying, but have tears in my heart. That was Nijinsky. Anybody get that? Got it. You both got it. Okay. So far, Merwin ahead by one. The more art is controlled, limited, worked over, the more it is free. That was Stravinsky. Merwin got it. How about you, Elaine? We're working on the honor system here, by the way. (laughs) Got it, got it. <laughs> okay, so you both got it? Well, I only trust Elaine because he admitted to not getting the, the one by Stravinsky. So. <laughs> you can, I, you, I got a cheat sheet right here. Okay. 
Silence will save me from being wrong, but it will also deprive me of the possibility of being right. That was Igor Stravinsky. Oh. Well, oh. Yes, I got it. I oh, you guys are tied again. Okay. I, I seek truth Define in a book. Again. <laughs> You're tied. You want to stop right here? No, we still have three more to go. Well, I, let's do it. I seek truth in a book and not the subject. That was Nijinsky. Oh, no. oh, you both got it. I mean, you both didn't get it. Yeah, nice. You're still tied. I haven't understood a bar of music in my life, but I have felt it. That was Stravinsky. Whoops. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I like the first half better. Can we stick with the first half? <laughs> uh, we only have one more question here. The trick is to compose what one wants to compose and to get it commissioned afterwards. That's not an Elaine Trudell quote. That was by, <laughs> you guessed it, Igor Stravinsky. Oh, I, I, I second guessed myself. I was like, <laughs> Are you serious? I did. I second guessed <laughs> myself. Good wow. job. Elaine, you won by one. Yay! That's amazing. Yay! I'd like to thank the Academy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to the Academy. I think right here is a spoiled yeah. ballot. <laughs> All right. Well, Merwin, you'll... The uh, day of my life uh, after the birth of my children and my marriage. And, uh, <laughs> I'd like to thank my agent. And, uh, <laughs> hey, don't forget me. I made the quiz. <laughs> oh, I, I'd like to thank uh, Brad for giving me the answers before the show. Oh, no, uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. You'll get your chance, Merwin. I have another edition of this quiz coming up a little bit later. But we oh, have... I <laughs> okay, we'll talk to you next week. Anyway, um, let's talk about the other piece on the on the program, which is a sort of a response to um, a soldier's tale. It's called "Homage à l'Histoire." How's how's my French, yeah. Elaine? It's, it's perfect. No perfect. Joke. Oh, okay. I'll yeah. take that. Homage à l'Histoire, absolument. Okay, so this is by David Baker. And I know you both have experience with this. Uh, Elaine, you were involved with the premiere of this piece, actually. Yeah. 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 And and Merwin, you performed David Baker before, and you're familiar with him as a composer. Absolutely. Uh, which one of you wants to sort of weigh in with your personal experience? Why don't we start with the premiere of the piece? You know, okay. Kind of like, well, we'll we'll start with more specificity, and then we'll roam further <laughs> afield. Later. Then we'll then we'll get a little more. Far afield, as you say. Yeah. So, Elaine, well, take it away. Well, I I was part of a, a really good group uh, led by James Campbell, clarinet player, clarinet soloist extraordinaire, who also is a clarinet teacher at uh, a school in Indiana, um, uh, the university there, like really fantastic artist. And he was the, the whole thing started at the Festival of the Sound uh, up in Canada, where he's music director of that festival. We played that and put a group together to do l'histoire with, um, unfortunately, deceased, fantastic uh, uh, puppeteer, uh, but uh, who built... Um, it's very interesting. The puppets were basically... They will hold... They would hold, like, a head that's even bigger than like a, a a a person perhaps. so but 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 then they would cover themselves with different kind of clothes and and they would make those it's very very dark uh, puppetry and and they we did a production of soldier's tale with them and with different people 
doing the soldier and uh, doing the, the devil, etc. And it, it was quite popular, and, and we, you know, everybody in the group wanted to do it. We had Joe Quarrington played bass, uh, with that guy too on trumpet. Uh, it was kind of an all-star group, so it was a lot of fun. And uh, we, we got some offers to play somewhere else. So uh, James and his agent, uh, Laurel, they put on a tour. So we wind up playing, I don't know, 20 days of this uh, across uh, the U.S. and Canada. And what was a lot of fun is that, that that's just a little fun fact is that when we change places, like uh, let's say for example, I remember that one because that was very that's very vivid in my uh, my souvenirs that when we played in the um, uh, Prince Edward Island, that's uh, one of the provinces in Canada, uh, th- like every place we would go, we get somebody like a local politician. Who likes theater to play the devil? <laughs> that was yeah. very funny it's kind of like Mother Ginger <laughs> and Nutcracker. <laughs> yeah, but it, 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 I mean, you know, yeah, you know, we have a pretty good sense of humor about politics, <laughs> uh, especially in Canada. It's like, you know, okay, let's get the politicians to play the devil, and and uh, usually uh, everybody appreciated a lot, and they said, oh, this is funny and making fun of yourself a little bit. That's good. And and when we went in, uh, no, sorry, it was in New Brunswick, not Prince Edward Island, in New Brunswick. They they had a big problem with the fisheries uh, at, at that moment. And uh, we were staying at different places. And I was saying, I think Guy and I, the Trump player and I, were staying at the, the ministry's, like, like, like the, the minister's house, uh, the minister, but the, 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 the ministry's, uh, the, the person that were representing that at their house. And, and they, they had a big protest when we had to do that. And it was supposed to do the devil in the show. So people were screaming and we were throwing fists <laughs> at his house during the day. <laughs> Wow. So it was it's a very funny memory. That's nothing to do with the Baker piece. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Yeah, exactly. And maybe last. Okay. And, Who uh, had New Brunswick and, fisheries oh. in the bingo card for this episode? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, we we've, we've done that sort of thing before, so that's okay. <laughs> so, well, it wasn't a walleye. It was uh, something else, but anyway. Um we we had um you know, James thought he had a great idea of having a companion piece, a tribute to the Stoile, because homage is tribute, uh, a tribute to the Stoile composed by one of his colleagues in Indiana, uh, David Baker. So he actually wrote this piece for us. I remember because uh, well, David Baker likes the trombone a lot, so that's what. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and you know, I kept complaining, I don't play enough, and he supposed to put a bunch of things for me in it. And and what he, he was super nice. And what he did is basically take the the skeleton, you know, of not of the of the different parts of the suite from the floor. Uh, we played the whole thing, of course, but but for him, it's basically the march, marches and dances, because there's a lot of dances. That's how he cures the princess and the floor, the with the with the, the the different dances. Now, the in nineteen at the end of the nineteen tens, getting to the nineteen twenties, the beginning turn of the century, there's a big fascination with European by European with American music because they, they didn't really understand it, but they were like, oh, this is you know what is a ragtime? What is uh, this? So that like if you take the three dances from Nitzod Solda, you have a tango, you have a vault, and you have a ragtime. And that's interesting. So what what uh, what David did is he wrote of all a Lindy Hop and a Samba as a, as a, 
And and the only movement that's kind of a slower thing is, is, is a song, and uh, it comes off in like a song by the stream, uh, all the and so just that. So he wrote the little song, and then little parade, march, and then at the end, like grand march. And all of those have little wings from different uh, components of l'histoire du soldat. So it, when we play both of them side by side, because that's how we're going to do the concert, we play, we're going to do the, the sweet uh, version uh, version as a sweet, and I'm not meaning that it's, it's sweet because yeah. nothing is sweet about the song sold up. But <laughs> we're going to play it as a sweet, then we're going to play the David Baker suite. So that's one part of our concert, and take a little moment and then run the song sold as a play. So that's, uh, and I think it's so interesting to have both of them next to each other because it's really a tribute. You can see. How David Baker really—I mean—loved uh, Stravinsky, loved this piece in particular, and wanted to pay tribute, and also wants to pay tribute to the different dance forms that are—you know—there's not a lot of music for classical musicians that are Lindy Hop, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so so well, it's really interesting, and, and the samba is actually the most difficult thing on the program because <laughs> the a samba is just basically a feel, right? And for classical musicians, we read music of a chart, then we see, you know, a dotted, let's say a dotted quarter, eight rest, eight rest, eight rest. But if you just sing it, but we're not trained like that. Oh, I, I say we, I started with jazz, but usually classical musicians are trained to, you know, translate the, the, the idea, the concept of the composer that put it on a page, you know, that wrote, that created the music. And then you translate that. But often music like uh, Latin music or samba, they're written because somebody decides to write them down, but they, they were just played because play, people play more by ear and play by, you know, to have a groove. And so it goes from play, being played as an improv, as a groove, being translated on a page, and you're trying to find the same kind of groove, but having clues on the page instead of having all the answers on the page. So it's very, very different uh, than... Than just a classical thing, and it's uh, it is, it's tricky for the players. Now you're conducting this concert, right? Yes, I'm conducting this concert, and uh, I've um, half the time I've done these thoughts of that I've conducted, the other half I've played. But the thing is that if if we play, we need like weeks of practice. If I'm playing, if, we do, if you do without a conductor, because it's so intricate, the meter changes and everything. Right. Uh, of course, life being life, and our season moving along and us playing a show just a few days before, and then getting into Bartok Brahms right after. I mean, uh, I, it's, it's better for everybody. And, and also dealing with the young actors that we have, uh, it's, it's, it's better if I'm conducting. So we're talking about this concert that's happening Sunday at the Toledo Museum of Peristyle. It's at 7 o'clock p.m. A Soldier's Tale of Igor Stravinsky, preceded by David Baker's homage to history of... <laughs> Here I am trying to translate from French. Homage à l'histoire <laughs> is probably better tribute just to say to it that way. How would you yeah. say that in English, Elaine? Tribute to l'histoire. Tribute to l'histoire. Okay. Tribute to l'histoire. <laughs> I'll say it in my best English accent. Um, again, that's happening at 7 o'clock p.m. On Sunday night, more information at ToledoSymphony.com or through the box office. That is at 419 246 Merwin, you promised to talk a little bit more about David Baker 
Uh, Elaine touched on the fact that he was uh, based in Indiana and Bloomington for many years at the uh, Jacobs School of Music there. Um, what's been your experience with, with him and his music? I've had a couple of experiences. Um, he's he was a legend uh, and just just an amazing, an amazingly talented musician um, who was able to kind of switch careers midstream from being a trombonist. And then unfortunately, he got in a car accident and um, had an injury to his jaw and was forced to switch careers to a, to the cello and become an amazing um, jazz cellist, a great composer, a wonderful educator, um, and somebody who was just so adept at bridging the gaps between classical music and jazz. And um, I, I remember... Uh, the most recent uh, experience I had uh, with uh, with David Baker was performing his sonata for tuba and string quartet with Dave Saltzman, as well as with Taya Prokes and Bob Clemens and Dave Ford. And we played it here in Toledo, but then also got the chance to return to Bloomington, which is actually my alma mater, um, and to perform that piece for David. And it was it was a just a wonderful experience, incredibly memorable. He was just so gracious and so kind. And and it was a thrill to perform that piece for him. And a couple of years before that, I'd had the chance to um, record his ethnic variations in the theme of Paganini. And that's such an interesting piece because in a way it's structured very similarly to this particular um, piece. You've got something that has a, is rooted very much in the classical tradition, but then he runs it through different filters. And so, whereas there aren't a lot, as Alain mentioned, there's not a lot of Lindy hops in classical music. There's also not a lot of Calypso. Uh, And there's a gorgeous Calypso (laughs) variation, which I loved. And, and it, frankly, the piece kicked my butt. I, yeah. <laughs> I, it, it's not is not my proudest moment. It was just. It's a, a great recording, though. Thanks. You, you well, did that with um, Phoenix Park Kim, yes. the pianist. Yeah, uh, but it's such it's such a difficult piece. Um, but uh, but David David just, I mean, he takes the spirit of the Paganini twenty fourth Caprice and then just. Um, you know, runs it through all of these different American and Latin American dance forms. And so, you know, seeing this piece, you know, pop up in my music stand, this, this Amage l'Histoire, there's, there's a lot of nostalgia there for me because, um, it, it, it just reminds me of these great experiences I had with David Baker's music. And, you know, a few things stand out to me in what you said. First of all, going back to, you know, the trombone and changing to the cello. Mm-hmm. I mean, those two instruments seem like they're so far afield from each other, mm-hmm. yet he excelled so much at both of those. Absolutely. Uh, we, we should mention that he passed on several yeah. years ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, also just his style, his pedigree as a jazz musician and as a composer who was heavily influenced by jazz and by other styles, um, which he uses to such effect in this piece we're going to hear on Sunday – Um, You know, you think of him, well, you think of Stravinsky as being influenced a little bit by jazz and moving in that direction. And then David Baker is sort of like the full-blown expression of of that link between uh, jazz and other styles and and traditional classical music. It's just a, a wonderful pairing, I think, of those two composers. 
I'm sure it's exactly why James Campbell thought of David Baker to yeah. to write this homage because they're they're both in, in Indiana University faculty members, and I I'm sure that he he thought well this is the perfect person to pay tribute to a piece that's both timeless but also inspired uh, very much by jazz. We're starting to run out of time, but I want to get in a little tiebreaker quiz here. <laughs> There's uh, no tie. And Alain I, I, took it on the on the final question. It was a shootout victory. And and what I'll do here for a tiebreaker or for a uh, a lane breaker, whatever you want to call it. Um, since I did promise Merwin would have a chance to win, after all, I'm gonna, I'm just going to whittle this down to three different questions, and they're each by a different uh, person. Uh, one of them is by Stravinsky, one of them is by Nijinsky, and the other is by Diaghilev. Okay, so you get to choose which is which. Let me pull up uh, pull up some different music for this. This is kind of like the love child of Stravinsky and Danny Elfman in this music, <laughs> right? Okay. First quote is this, of all the wonders that the world had to offer, only art promised immortality. Next quote is this, there is no beauty in music itself, the beauty is within the listener. And finally, applause is not opinion, applause is a feeling of love for the artist. Okay, you match the speaker to the quote. The first one, of all the wonders that the world had to offer, only art promised immortality. That was Diaghilev. Everybody yeah. get Diaghilev? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So far, Elaine is still in the lead. There is no beauty in music itself. The beauty is within the listener. That was Stravinsky. Yeah. You both got it. Okay. Well, then, if you both got those two, you definitely got the last one. Applause is not opinion. Applause is a feeling of love for the artist. That was, of course, uh, Nijinsky. That was David Baker. That was David Baker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, David Baker. Yeah, right. No, that was Nijinsky. You both got it, right? Yes. Okay. So, let me tally up where we are here, and this is actually... Elaine is the winner still. I tried. I did the best that I could. Congratulations, Elaine. No well, need to play the sad trombone this time. And, you know, I just go and work very hard all the time. Yeah, we heard it all before, so. You needed to go with the sports one. You gave it 110%, blood, sweat, and tears. I all go in the corner of. to get the puck. I, I, exactly. I, yeah. I knew that yes. we would talk about hockey one way or the other. <laughs> <laughs> that, that this would come down to that. Well, it's been an interesting discussion, gentlemen, and uh, this is a wonderful, a wonderful concert, a really interesting concept, and a fabulous pairing of David Baker and Igor Stravinsky. Uh, this is happening on Sunday at the Toledo Museum of Art Peristyle. It's at seven o'clock p.m. It's a chamber concert. You can find more information at ToledoSymphony.com or the box office number at four one nine. Two four six eight thousand. This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony, with generous support from the Rita Barber Kern Foundation. 
You can download episodes of this program as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to check out all the upcoming events at the symphony by visiting their website at toledosymphony.com and their various social media outlets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find the TSO streaming platform online. That's at stream.artstoledo.com. My thanks to Elaine Trudell and Merwin Sue. I'm Brad Cresswell, and you've been listening to Toledo Symphony Lab from FM91.